So I definitely went for a bit of a clickbait title for the message today. If you were with us last Tuesday when we had our one and only Tuesday service, following our one and only Sunday service, um, we began by, by having a message called, I will teach you to love. And we were talking about, um, in the book of Galatians, Paul, the apostle, saying, hey, the only thing that really counts is faith expressing itself through love. And there's a million things to get upset about. There's a million things to say are important. But I believe today the only power worth having is the power to persevere in love when it's uncomfortable, painful, and full of loss. That's the only thing really worth setting your sights on. The greatest power anybody has today is the power to get through COVID and love people more instead of loving people less. To get through COVID and love your church more instead of loving your church less. And so today I'm going with the opposite of I'll teach you to love. And I'll, today I want to teach you what to hate. And I even worked it a little bit because originally it would just said I will teach you to hate. And that, that was even a little bit pushing it too far for me. But this is the big idea. We're going to get to the scripture in a sec, but I want to help us out. The big idea today is that we are, Lord willing, on the cusp of what the Holy Spirit wants to do next. Um, Call it a revival, call it a renewal, call it what else did you think God was going to do, call it just a regular Wednesday for the Lord, call it whatever you want. We're on the cusp of what God is going to do next. But it is going to involve the Holy Spirit of God doing something. And the big idea in Galatians chapter 5, we learn that this Holy Spirit has things he loves and things he does not love so much. The things he's for and things he's against. And so part of welcoming what God wants to do next is to make sure what we're against is lined up with what the Holy Spirit is against. Because we have been through a year, I think, of major conflict, lots of anger, lots of frustration, lots of hate, lots of all this stuff. And you know what? We're not going to be able to get away from that stuff. You're going to get angry. You're going to hate things. Okay. I'm going to be angry. I'm going to hate things. I should make sure my hatred is lined up with what God hates. Does that make sense? Anybody feeling nervous yet? Please don't. Learning to be against what God is against is a wonderful gift and will set you free. And learning to be for what God is for is of God's gift, and it will set you free. So let's read the word of God together, and we'll go from there. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 24. These are the very words of God. But I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, and orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Selah. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I submit to you completely. This is your time and I want to serve you. And I know, Lord, even more important than whatever I do is what you do with the people who hear you. And so, God, I pray that you'd be touching hearts and touching minds. Lord, I know this is a time of weariness. Would you empower your people to hear what you're saying? God, I know this is a time of defensiveness. Would you empower your people to be vulnerable with you? Lord, I know this is a time of discouragement. Would you empower your people's faith to rise up to who you are? As we've been singing this morning. And God, I pray for the fruit of this message to be the fruit of the Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right. So, why did I call this, I will teach you what to hate. The beginning of this passage, we learned something very, very, very important about existence, spiritual warfare, life, getting through crises, being human, parenting, living, eating, breathing, and all things, we learn that there are two forces in the universe that are against each other. And one of these forces is called the flesh, and one of these forces is called the spirit. And the word of God says that they are opposed to each other and whatever the spirit loves, the flesh doesn't. And whatever the flesh loves, the spirit doesn't. So much so that every human being is in the place where we can't just do whatever we want. Because we live in a world where these two forces. Now let's get some background to this. These aren't equal forces. This isn't yin and yang. This isn't light and dark in some kind of eternal co-equal struggle. This isn't this isn't eastern religion. The spirit's stronger, okay? The spirit's already won. He raised Jesus from the dead. He's got power to give new birth to unbelieving souls. The spirit is the spirit of almighty God. He's stronger. And at the same time, there is this force called the flesh and Greeks called sarks. And this encapsulates human life and human desires and human efforts to fulfill those desires apart from God. Human activity apart from God. Human desires and rebellion against God. Human beings trying to take care of themselves without trusting God. Human beings trying to accomplish their dreams but not in submission to God. That's what the flesh is. And they use that word flesh, which actually just means this stuff. But it doesn't mean your skin. It's not like God doesn't like skin. He invented skin and Jesus took on skin. And it didn't make him any less of being the God-man to have skin. It means like... Life apart from the spirit of God is the flesh. That's all you've got. All you've got is your 80 years. All you've got is your ingenuity. All you've got is your technology. All you've got is your cash. And all you've got is your own ability to fulfill your desires. And that's the flesh. And the Holy Spirit, sent by God the Father 
to redeem his creation, sent by Jesus Christ to apply what Jesus won for us on the cross and in his resurrection, is on a mission completely opposite to the desires of the flesh for our life and our church and our city and our country. I spent about five years trying to figure out what it meant when the Bible says to keep you from doing the things you want to do. That's not an understatement. I spent about five years trying to figure out what that sentence means. Because to me, it's like, well, if you want to do good, why would you be kept from doing good? And that, I believe what's going on here is there's an, it's called an under-translation, or I've made up that term, I'm calling it under-translation. There's this little Greek word, sorry, nerding out here, an, it's the equivalent of the English ever, and it's not really translated. It should said to keep you from doing whatever things you want to do, is what it should actually be translated as, which is different. It means that the human heart cannot simply look into itself for truth and goodness because you don't get to just do whatever you want to do in life and then declare it to be the Spirit of God. There's the flesh and its desires. There's the Spirit and its desires. And our calling is to walk in the Spirit. Our calling is to be in step with the Spirit. Our calling is to be in the fruit of the Spirit. Our calling is to say, all my loyalty I take from the flesh, I give to the Spirit. All my trust I take from this flesh and I give to the Spirit. But I don't just look in here and say, what do you want to do today, heart? Because the world isn't just this place where we're meant to just go with whatever we want to do. It's this combat between the flesh and the Spirit And if we just do whatever we want to do, which one of those two sides do you think we're going to end up following more often than not? Anybody? Anybody? Bueller? 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 Yeah. That was the problem in Paul's church, is that because they started to care more about circumcision than about the spirit, they were falling into the flesh, and the fruit was division in the church. It's kind of like this. You say, oh, this is depressing. This isn't encouraging. Why do I need to learn about this stuff? It's kind of like this. A long time ago, there was this scary horror movie. And the bad thing in this horror movie was called a face hugger. It was essentially a spider with a long whip tail. And the face hugger would what, like hunt people, and it would try to wrap its tail around your neck and claw onto your head and then put eggs into your stomach through your face and those eggs would eventually grow up and burst out of your admin admin and then turn into a great big monster that would go around eating your friends okay that's the flesh the flesh is a face hugger that wants to get a hold of you impregnate you with its desires that would one day burst forth and destroy your life Now, in the horror movie, you understand it's a bad guy, and you hate it. And you go, I would never want that thing sucked onto my face, filling me full of death eggs. But in our reality, because we start off as sinners and need to get redeemed, sometimes we find the face hugger kind of appealing. Free hugs? That doesn't sound too bad. I like eggs. 
And so part of what the Holy Spirit wants to do, because the Holy Spirit hates face huggers. The Holy Spirit is the hero of the movie. He likes to find face huggers and get the blowtorch out and blowtorch that thing or get the rapid fire, burst fire machine guns and fire, blow that thing to little pieces. The Holy Spirit, sent by Jesus, representing Christ, sent by the Father, representing the Father, is the hero. And he hates the bad guys in the movie and he wants to destroy it. To rescue us. So that we be free and saved and become the people we were always meant to be in Christ. And so part of what this passage is trying to do is say like, let's be in love with the Holy Spirit and everything he's for. And if he's on mission to destroy the monsters in the universe, let's be on his team to be the monster hunters. Amen? Makes sense? If you came home one day and your kid had one of those wonderful, beautiful, created-by-the-Lord wood ticks stuck right there on the edge of their hair. And it had been there for a while and been like, it had gone from like that flat little miniature pancake and grown up all the way into the big, gray, gooseberry-sized jobby. And you know it's just swole with your kid's blood. And there's like a thousand eggs ready to be conceived by all that man blood. And it's ready to give your kid Lyme disease. Would you be indifferent? Would you want to start a TikTok trend? Wood tick face apparel. How big of a wood tick can you grow? Right? No, you'd want that thing off. Because that wood tick's the enemy. The enemy of health. The enemy of freedom. The enemy of open futures. And that's what this passage is all about. Learning to love what God loves because that's the best. And learning to not trust the things God doesn't trust. And learning to be opposed to what God is opposed to because that's the best. And the thing that God's opposed to is the flesh. He's against life in unbelief. He's against human effort apart from God because it doesn't work. And because it rejects God and it leads to death. Now, so here's this long list, and it took all my tongue-twisting energy to get through this list the first time without mispronunciation, so I'm not going to try it again. But one thing I will note about this list is there are no people in this list. There's human activities that demonstrate that someone's heart is not in a place of trust in Jesus and being led by the Spirit, But there are no people groups in this list. Okay? So you won't find yourself as a person in this list. You may find some of the things you're doing, and they may need to ask the Spirit, like, okay, what's going on here? But you won't find yourself in that list. So that you can't say, oh, I'm rejected by God here. But there are expressions of human behavior that indicate that someone's heart is not in faith in Jesus and they're not being led in the Spirit by faith. And so we need lists like this to help train us how to evaluate our own lives And how to learn to not call what's destroying us and insulting God good. 
that make sense? And if you see yourself in here, this is no call to run. When a human being is just finding out that there's something not pleasing to God in their life, that's called conviction. And when someone's coming under conviction of sin, what that really is, is it's God drawing near to set you free. And if we respond by saying to God, help me, save me, he will. But it's not a call to run. It's not a call to condemnation. It's not a call to hate God back because you feel unworthy in his presence. It's a call to be saved. It's a call to be rescued. We have spent the last year sticking everything, sorry, not everything, unpleasant things up our noses and all kinds of other things because we were kind of convinced that if we have this communicable disease that could hurt us or could definitely hurt somebody else, it's worth having something shoved up your nose and twirled around to the count of eight. And maybe sometimes you don't even have one of the good nurses who counts like this, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and they don't count like that. They go slow with a stopwatch. But it's worth knowing if you're sick. It's worth knowing if you're going to hurt somebody. And that test result back is either setting you free or it's a conviction from the health people. And maybe you don't love it. I I didn't love the times I did. I did a bunch more near the beginning. But we said it's worth it. It's worth it to know. So I can make wise choices. And when the conviction of God comes, it's him being Dr. Jesus, the friend of sinners, saying it's worth it that you know so that you can make a change. Not to kill you, to save your life, and to protect others. And that's what we've gone on here. So I think it's worth going through this stuff. I've been thinking about this lots. Um, Some of these things I don't feel like I'm extra vulnerable to. Like, I don't think I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and cast spells. I don't think sorcery is on my susceptibility list. You know, I don't have twigs in my top drawer that I've enchanted. I don't wear robes instead of regular clothes. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. I do have some on here which have been my friend. Uh, Fits of anger have been a real problem for me. Um, Not drunkenness. Envy has definitely been a problem for me. divisions, jealousy, that's one that every single Christian in North America needs to be especially on guard against. Rivalry is something that we stir up in our culture because we think it brings out the best of us. But rivalry, that's where you have people in your, your circles that you're competing against and you, re, you regret when they're doing better than you. Um, you want to see them fail so that you can feel like you're succeeding. That is a huge issue for us. Uh, idolatry. Um, we don't have like little idols. Most of us don't have that little cat guy in our buildings bringing us money, but we do trust things like money and government, which are created things. We do trust them more than God sometimes. Uh, sensuality for sure. That's living for the pleasure that you can make your body have. Uh, that's one I need to be on, on guard against. And what this list is telling us, and there's other things, like this isn't a comprehensive list, but what this list is telling us is that when we find that these things are operating in our life, somewhere we've lost trust in Jesus. And we've we've become convinced that we have to take care of ourselves 
by trying to accomplish things with the strength or guile or sins or duplicity that we have available to ourselves. And then we start acting like this because we've stopped believing that prayer and submission will bring about the kingdom of God. Now, this is one of the things that is really important, and I don't want to gloss over this. It's why it's so, it is necessary to talk about this stuff. Um, have you ever heard before people say, like, what's better, the gifts of the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit? Anybody heard that conversation before? They're both from the Spirit. But at the same time, if you don't have the gifts of the Spirit, you have fruitlessness. If you don't have the fruit of the Spirit, you, you, you cannot go to heaven. Because Paul says, I warned you guys that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I don't just mean if, if you do it once and then you repent. Like repentance is beautiful. You get free from it. But if your life is characterized by the flesh, it's a sign that you don't have saving faith. And so it's serious. Oh, goodness gracious. If a revival's coming, may it be a revival of the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. <laughs> Let it be the love revival. Let it be the joy revival. Let it be the peace revival. Because you know for certain if it's that kind of revival, then they're really, really saved. But if it's just outward stuff, you don't know. And one of the things that's happened too often in North America is our revivals go funky monkey really, really badly waddly and turn and then it's like great and then sideways and then you get kind of church splits or whatever going on. And that's not, that's not what I'm praying for is like big time emotion and a big show and then a disaster and then none of us can even look each other in the face at Superstore anymore. That's not on my hit list for the revival. I want the kind of revival where God's just like, these are my people. Is the, the fruit. Look at the fruit. And one of the other things I think is amazing here is like, look at the difference between the works of the fresh, flesh and the fruit of the spirit is the works are all kind of activities because you can't really know somebody else's heart, but you can see what they're doing. But the fruit of the spirit is all like start in the heart stuff. And so I could be wrong, but I think what's going on here is it's like you can't you can see activities that make you go, huh? But when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, you know your own heart, don't you? Can you tell when you're operating in the love of God? Can you tell when you're operating in the joy of God? Can you tell when you're operating in the peace of God? I, I, I can. It's not always a fun <laughs> discovery to find out that I'm not doing it. But I see going on here God saying, hey, when it comes to the fruit, check, you can check your own heart. And I feel, maybe I could be wrong, but it's like Jesus taught us to always check ourselves first. Whenever you think something's going on, don't waste your life chasing after specks in other people's eyes when you're walking around and you've got a gigantic California redwood hanging out of your eyeball that you can't even fit in the biggest church we've ever owned. So check your own heart. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Now, let's get into the happy stuff here fact the fruit of the spirit is the life you've always wanted true fact the fruit of the spirit is the life that north americans spend billions of dollars trying to attain each year with their entertainment and their hobbies and their their recreational drug use and their vacations and their moving around 
all the stuff we're pursuing, is there anything we actually want that cannot be summed up with true love, true joy, true peace, true patience, which is long-sufferingness, true kindness, true goodness, true faithfulness, true gentleness, and true self-control? Is there anything anybody really wants that is outside of this? And we don't even think about it. Like, I want to be super successful in my business. I want to become a multi, multi, multi millionaire. Why do you want to do that? I'm hoping it will give me some peace and joy. I want to become a Navy SEAL. Why? Because it's proof that I've got real self-control. And I can accomplish anything I set my mind to with my body. Is there anything anyone could seek, whether it's getting married or having kids or being a part of a great church, that isn't actually encapsulated by one of these things that is what the Spirit does? I can't think of it. The more I think about this, it's like, this, this is life. This is life. This is heaven. 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 Love, 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 love. Like the love, the real love. Like real, real, real love. Not love that has to end up in a bed somewhere, but real love. Like real love. This is heaven. Real joy. Like joy, joy. Like real, real, real joy. Like joy that doesn't mean that you have to, that like you recover from it in the morning because the bottle's gone. Like real joy. Like joy. Joy, joy, like real, real joy, joy, like peace, like real, real peace, like peace, peace and peace, peace, like real peace, like patience. Anybody have the worst parts of your life always be like when you run out of patience? What happens right after you run out of patience is the worst part of your life, like real patience, like real, real patience, patience. This is, this is heaven. This is life. This is the best life. This is all you could ever want in life. This is, this is God. And in the scripture, we're learning that God, the Holy Spirit, his, he's, he's on a holy war to produce this in his people. He's in holy war to give for free through Jesus to people who believe all that we want in life. Joy, peace, love, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, everything that the human heart desperately wants, the Holy Spirit wants to give us and is totally opposed to everything that robs us of these things. Praise Him. Praise Him with great praise. Your great friend, the Holy Spirit, that Jesus put into your heart when you were saved, His mission is to produce Himself inside of you with everything that is real life. Praise Him with great praise. We know where you get it. It's the Holy Spirit. Praise Him with great praise. The best the Father has to offer us, He has not withheld from us. Praise Him with great praise. This is the Father's own heart. This is what I can't get about the Holy Spirit of God is it's Dad's own soul. (laughs) Like, how is it possible that the God of the universe can take his own spirit out of himself, whatever that means, and put it into a man? 
What greater love could there be than God himself dwelling in a person? And then on mission to take away everything that isn't him. Praise him with great praise. (laughs) He's done it. Holy is Jesus who made the way through his torn body and spilt blood on the cross. Praise him with great praise. He's given us everything great. Bah! Somebody save me from this sermon that should never end. I've gotten here, guys. I've gotten to the point. He's given us himself. He's given us everything. He's given us his whole soul and his whole heart and his son through suffering. He's given us. We have it. We have it. We have it. And everything that gets in the way of that, God is against. Yay! 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 God! He did it! He did it! He did it! He did it! Yay! Like everything good. Everything we think we can buy. Everything you're afraid of losing if the economy tanks. It's in the Spirit of God. And He lived here or here or here. Like, I don't know where He lives because you can't say here because what if that gets taken away? You still have Him. And then it says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Just in case you're like, well, the flesh is going to win in my life or the flesh is too strong for me. No, no, Jesus crucified your flesh on the cross and you're united with him. His death has power over the flesh to destroy it. It's not stronger than the spirit and it's not stronger than you in the spirit. Your flesh is dead and dying. The spirit's going to win. But we lay hold of him by faith. It's by faith. That's the thing. It's by faith. And it's by that humble walk of repenting and turning and turning again and turning again and turning again and turning again. But learning to love it. That's the best. It's so good to repent because you are missing out on God. Praise him with great praise. He's done it. He's done it. And so this is why Paul can't understand why people would be like, well, what's really important is cutting off the skin of your penis. <laughs> and circumcision. Well, the Spirit's okay, but if you just, you know, whoop, 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 then you're a real Christian. And Paul's like, what is wrong with you people? How can you think after God lives inside of you that cutting off something does anything? So, I don't know if this is the start of the revival, but this is one I think. Guys, let's like, okay, one of the ways you kill a revival when it's starting is you keep waiting for other people to start having a revival so you can call it a revival. Well, when other people start really getting excited about Jesus, then I'll call it a revival. You do it. You do it. You do it. You do it. You have it. You have it. You have it. You don't even need much more besides Galatians 5 to have a revival. You do it. You do it. You get fired up. You get full of the Holy Spirit. You give your life to Jesus. You give your days to Jesus. You say, I just want love and joy and peace. And not even for our own sake. I want to bless other people with it. Just like the Holy Spirit wants to bless other people with it. And you go for it. And you don't let people slow you down. And you be honest and you repent and you go for it. Don't wait for somebody else to start enjoying Jesus for you to enjoy him more. Amen? 
I am okay with solo revivals. If you're the only one who has a real revival in 2021, I will be happy for you because you're not my rival and I will not envy. Because that's the flesh. I will be happy for you. Because that's the spirit. Okay, what don't you have that you need, church? It's silent, and that is the correct answer. And this is the thing. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. There could be terrible times ahead of us, but no one can take away the Spirit of God from us. That's the point. But we can lose our faith in God to move through the Spirit, and that's terrible. So let's not do that. That's the only way we can be defeated is unbelief. That's the only thing. That's the only thing. That's the only thing. That's the only thing. That's the only danger we have is unbelief leading to the flesh. That's our only danger. That's our only danger. That's our only threat. That's the face hugger. The face hugger is unbelief and it wants to pump you full of the flesh to destroy your heart. Get the gun. Shoot. Flamethrower. Ripley. Get in that exoskeleton robot. Throw that thing into outer space. Just... We can do this. The Spirit can do this. I'm done. I have to pull out now. So I'm going to call the band up here. But, like, this is the best. This is, we, we needed to have not people in the building here because he's, he's with you. The Spirit is with you where you are. The Spirit is right there with you where you are. The whole point of the Spirit was that Jesus had to be in one place, and now the Spirit does not have to be in one place. He's with you where you are. You can welcome him. You can praise him. You can submit to him. You can ask him to, to lead you so you can walk with him. You can ask him to set you free from the flesh. You can do it right there. And so, God, would you do all the best that's on your heart. In Jesus' name, amen.